0: They were called nasties and they were nasty
1: Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific These films not only affect young people but I believe they affect
2: adults as well An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving
1: and corrupting those who watched it
0: I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't I actually don't need to see what I know
3: is fair? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Doing the Nasty podcast. This is season two, episode number 25. Happy New Year to all our listeners out there, and welcome to another year, the penultimate year of us doing this shit. We now, I believe are on track, and I checked this earlier just to make sure everything was in in place, we are now approximately, <laughs> not that I'm counting down, one year and four months away from saying we've watched every single movie on the tier 3 video nasty list, which is kinda cool. Joining me on this journey, this journey that has given dizzying highs and oh, absolutely abysmal lows, is my podcast companion, it is of course a phenomenal Mark Ball, how you doing Mark?
4: i'm doing good 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 morning doing the nasty listeners uh yeah happy birthday to us because this is the two-year anniversary Mm -hmm. of uh the season two relaunch kind of deal yeah yeah it's 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 weird that we're over halfway through this and that we've been doing this for two fucking years i don't don't know where the time time. has gone but we've we've watched some great shit for this the show and we've watched some dog shit for this show so uh uh, It's 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 been super interesting. I don't know. This has made, made me think a lot of things about movies that I didn't really think about before. Like, uh, you know, how, how did people respond to this back in the day? Because yeah. we we keep getting movies from like 1981.
3: Oh God, it, yeah. That's gonna I that's gonna continue right into this episode as well.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think both these movies are 81. I don't I don't know what yeah. it was about that year, but it was the year the British censors just had enough, and they said, "Fuck these movies. This is." Is tearing our society apart. These are yeah. corrupting the minds of our children and turning them into psychopaths. And I think, and, it's, uh,
3: I think it's, it's it's in line with. So the Nasties legislation came into effect. And it was 83, 84 So if okay. you imagine movies that were getting cinematic runs in eighty one back then, would take a minimum of a year to make their way to VHS. And let's say they're in VHS stores, and then the legislation comes in. It's going to be mostly movies from this time period. Um, also you've got to remember this is specifically one of these movies anyway of the two is in that kind of we want to make every slasher in the world after like any day that could be used as a memorable day um so as a result of that they all just got targeted like every single one of them um and i think that's maybe where a lot of that comes in as well is you know if you were named after like new year or christmas or happy birthday or anything like that at all you were instantly that's something they were picking up and uh, you know going away to check out and then if there was any violence in it it was just getting cut so i think there's a i think there's a bit of all that going on here and this would be the most fertile time for it because you know well friday 13 what 81 um, and then it's every movie. Like, every movie for about two years is, is pretty much a slasher movie. So um, yeah. I get the they're feeling all super that's maybe... E- yeah.
4: They're all super easy to spot on the shelves, too, especially 100%. like this one. They're like, that That sounds vaguely like Friday the 13th. Gotta go. Put got, it in the fire.
3: On. Yeah, I told you, like, um, anything that had a power tool in the name or a yep. implement to do with anything with DIY, instantly on the ban list um nope. straight away that weird,
4: little, go, weird little kinks at the bbfc that there's like nope
3: nope that's enough of that we'll have no people inspired to renovate their homes <laughs> 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 this movies getting binned with all of them shitholes um on this episode we're doing this is weirdly this is kind of it's it's strange right because there are polar opposites in terms of filmmaking and this one but both movies are equally trash. Um, we're going to be yeah. doing... Yeah, like Happy Birthday to me when we get down to... I mean, it's a very, very, very wee, well-made movie. It's an incredibly well-made movie. But that ending is <laughs> just like hot trash and the best possible <laughs> it's entertaining as fuck but it's hot garbage um and then mausoleum never really aspires to be anything more than hot garbage and i kind of yep. love it because of that so we're, yep we're, go- we're gonna have we're gonna have fun talking about both Uh like you said both of them in or around the same time period so we're doing happy birthday to me and mausoleum on this episode uh before we get into that did you have a, a good christmas and new year mark
4: Uh, yeah, pretty decent. Like I said, uh, Black Friday order a bunch of Blu rays. Uh, most of those showed up like in or around Christmas. Severn was running a little late, so uh, got got, got some cool stuff to watch. We finally, a little after New Year's, had a movie night with uh, my two friends I usually go to Fantastic Fest with, and we watched uh, a little movie called Siege, which is a Canadian movie also from right around this time that I'm kind of surprised wasn't on the video. Nasty list. Uh, I was just before we got on the recording talking to court psyop about it and i was like you should cover this on cinema psyop if mm. it's right along with all the trash that you guys have been covering lately and it's another one where i mean that in the best possible way because this movie is basically like super skeezy home alone and crossed with assault on precinct 13 oh, is oh, nice. about the best way i could think to describe this movie but uh yeah siege is fucking great uh we also watched one that uh agfa the american genre film archive put out called um the boarding house i think it's called Mm -hmm. uh it's a shot on video not like vhs but like i think they knew people that worked at a news station or something so it's like probably those old like giant one inch like fucking film tapes that they i used to use at the tv station way back in the day with our ancient fucking gear uh it's about like a dude that like uh it's it's fucking bananas I, i think they did all of the cocaine when they made this movie uh, it's about a dude that, like, uh, buys a haunted boarding house, basically, and invites a bunch of babes to come live with him. And they get picked off by a killer that might be a ghost or might be one of them possessed by the ghosts that right. also has tel- telekinetic powers. And it's, it's fucking bananas. It, it, it's like it, it's like watching a fever dream. And the, the low quality, the low video quality just adds to it if it, it feels like something somebody made on, like, a fucking weekend and did a lot of cocaine too so uh that was fun yeah I, I i miss i miss movie nights with my buds they're like they're they're all you know aficionados of the severance and the vinegar syndromes and we all buy like slightly different shit most of the time especially when sales go up so mm-hmm. like to get together get together and have movie nights and a lot of the time we watch yeah trash like those two or uh, ma- mausoleum and happy birthday we fit right along in one of those bad movie nights basically Um,
3: nice nice
4: yeah that's that's about all i've had going on lately what about you
3: um yeah nothing (laughs) (laughs) i had the quietest of christmas and new years which was kind of amazing and it was pretty much like it is for me every year like christmas time is like i finish up early from work i get a good solid two and a half weeks off and without trying to sound like I have issues I pretty much drink for two and a half weeks like, <laughs> I, I become a recluse I drink a lot of alcohol I watch a lot of rubbish play a lot of computer games and I come out the other end grossly overweight um, <laughs> and then spend like the best part of like the first two to three months of the year beating the shit out of me trying to lose it all but it's totally worth it and I'll do it again Mark I will do it again and again and again and again Um, so yeah I I didn't really do much and then this year's kind of started off a bit strange because there's obviously in the UK there's a lot of movies which came out I think last year in the States making their way over here now and we'll get a ton of them getting released up towards Oscar uh, season so like January February in the UK tends to be uh, the dumping ground for a lot of Oscar movies that might only get like a small window over here, so everyone can get a chance to see them before they win all the awards. Um, and obviously, there's been some some interesting releases. Uh, the new Scream made its way over here this weekend. Um, the new Guillermo del Toro movie's just been released. So, um, so yeah, try to try to do all that shit as well as all the other stuff that just seems to keep landing. Um, I got a, a, a good selection of. Interesting and trashy films for Christmas, which, of course, are now up in the collection for me to watch circa 2025, 2026.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they will live on the shelf for as long as necessary.
3: Oh, man. So I got my wife to buy me for Christmas. She was like, we really struggle. I, like, every year it gets harder to buy each other gifts because we like we're, we're not one of those couples that you know all our collective wages all go into one account and then we you know live off that essentially we have our our bills account uh, which we both chip in to to pay the bills and then whatever's left in her accounts hers was that whatever's left in mine is mine um right because she earns a lot more than i do and i would feel really bad mean <laughs> like no like equal share, equal. Share. Like I, I, I like totally shit for. So we both go off and do our own thing, and um, as a result, I, well, you know me, I buy a lot of movies. So when Christmas comes around, uh, it's a bit difficult to find things I haven't bought. Um, right. So I said to her, I was like, listen, I, I don't announce that Shaw Brothers box set. And she's like, all oh, right, I don't even know what that is." And I was like, I, "As well, I, the Shaw Brothers." And I, I'm not going to explain it to you, but I've, <laughs> I've pre-ordered it. I tell you what, you just, you just pay me back for that, and then you can give me that. And she's like, "Cool, awesome." So she did that. And um, for the last year and a half, a really a, a nice supplier in the UK, uh, sorry, UK, uh, USA, a distributor in the USA, has been intermittently sending me stuff. Doesn't always. I, I make a point of stressing to them only what's left. So take care of America first um, and what I i <laughs> send across here and um, yeah, like about uh, about three weeks after getting that box set in comes the Shaw Brothers box set oh so, fuck yeah, so I had to uh, very nicely explain to my wife why I was selling the Christmas present <laughs> she bought me uh, Would you imagine that conversation went down well mark uh (laughs) real fucking well so yeah well i
4: mean he didn't know you were gonna get another no
3: i didn't know that that's the last thing like small titles is what comes through not giant fucking box it so um yeah because what is
4: there like 60 fucking movies in that thing
3: i wish dude like the the base i think they have i don't know how many volumes are doing there's i think it's eight in the first set then volume two comes out in july um, and I don't know how many's in that, but I mean, it looks great. I don't know when I'll ever open it, but you know, superficially and looking at unboxing videos on YouTube, it looks great. Um, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll eventually, I'll eventually get around to it. And the story that I'm telling everyone at the moment, which just shows how bad the sickness has gotten, um, just before Christmas, the same distributor sent through Arrow started doing collections of Jalo movies, so basically right. bundling up titles that have been kind of free before you know like as in like independent you know one-off discs and they're bundling them into groups and they've they've dubbed it the Jalo's Essential Pack so the yellow one I was going to import and then this guy was like that oh we've got screeners of these if anyone's interested was like go and send me through a promotional screener so he duly did because the only title that was in it that I didn't already own from Arrow was Torso now I do own uh, Martino's torso. I have that as um, uh, it's Blue Underground that put out. So I have the Blue Underground one because it's region free. Um, so d- didn't expect to get it. box set come in I was like, amazing! I finally got torso. The other two movies I already own. Already own narrow versions of them, right? And then Dave Parker. If you're ever listening to this, Dave Parker, this is your fault. Dave Parker put <laughs> the, a picture of himself holding the yellow set and the red set which I didn't realize was a thing. So they'd released the red set as well. Um, And I was like, I'm I'm buying the red set to go along with the yellow set. So I bought the red set. The red set contains the three movies that I already own as well. So I basically bought a box set of three movies of which I already own those versions of those movies from the same (laughs) distributor just because there's a a red cardboard box. I could have just fucking made a red cardboard box. (laughs) put it in there and it would have been fine but no this is my sickness in their mark so they're on the shelf unopened to remain most likely unopened um because why would I open them now i've got other ones armed so yeah that's a, that's my christmas my christmas is the crushing reality that i am an absolute shell for consumerism and the cause of the problem i am not the solution uh I'm yeah, whatever,
4: it's it's physical media. you got to support support the labels and tell people about the stuff they're putting out. It's, it's, it's a good service to the world.
3: And this is why you're now employed as my spokesperson, Mark. Mark Ball, spokesperson for Duncan MacLeish and he's, he's addictions.
4: Um... No more questions. Leave my client alone. He's just buying movies.
3: Right, let's get into this one. This one is going to be fun. And the reason it's gonna be fun is there's absolutely no way you can take either one of these movies seriously even a little bit and um, even though one of them kind of challenges you to up until the last three minutes um so let's do this we're gonna start off with the batshit bonkers one that we were overjoyed and very excited to get to we're going to talk about Mausoleum so we're going to take a short break just now you're going to hear the people from the Video Nasties documentary God knows who this feels like it may be a Stephen Thrower most probably won't be but we'll find out Um, (laughs) Mausoleum is going to be discussed then you're going to hear that trailer and then when we come back myself and Mark Ball getting down and dirty with some Mausoleum right after this
0: Mausoleum, centuries of evil erupt from the tomb America's New Top Ten Chiller Thriller. I'm not sure what top ten means in this context. I mean, was it like number ten in Variety's list of uh, direct-to-video releases that couldn't get a proper theatrical release? Uh, who knows? This is what you'll remember from Mausoleum, is Bobby Brazé, who was sort of an early screen queen, even before... Linnea Quigley, Forrest J Ackerman, who's in her other film, Evil Spawn, seemed to build her up as a a sort of a a minor horror celebrity, uh, uh, presumably in the hope that she'd go on to be as big a star as, ooh, Florence Marley. That, of course, didn't happen. Um, She stuck around, she made one other film, uh, Evil Spawn, which is a sort of remake of The Wasp Woman, and then just did cameos in sort of Fred Olin Ray-type horror pictures Truth be told, she wasn't really that well-suited to horror. She was a big, buxom, bubbly California blonde. Her credits listed here are things like The Fall Guy and Charlie's Angels. I think to be a horror star... You kind of have to have a sort of darker personality, be a sort of Barbara Steele-type character. This film seems to be entirely built around the talents of Bobby per se, which is odd, because she's not much of an actress either. It does have the scene where her breasts turn into individual monsters with fang uh, and chew on the uh, uh, <laughs> the chest of Joe Gortner, the former evangelist and uh, the great star of Star Crash and Food of the Gods. And that's kind of like the big ticket in this film, is that sequence is the uh is is the fanged nipples and i have to say it's not even that well done it's a john bucler effect and it's the sort of thing that italian movies like demons would have done in a much more gross and disturbing way but it's so conceptually weird uh that it does kind of lodge in your memory however it obliterates everything else about the film which is the old one about the um The woman who's doomed to be possessed by an evil witch and will then slaughter everybody else in the film to get revenge it's also one of those movies where the uh where anagrams and palindromes come into play it's about the nomad family and it takes forever for somebody to work out that that's demon spelt backwards so
4: you
0: know crashing revelation built around that it's kind of fun but you know as mausoleum based horror movies go it's not Phantasm, it's not even One Dark Night, it's your third most important mausoleum-based horror film of the early 1980s. If that's enough to make you want to see it, and frankly, it would be enough to make me want to see it, then you probably need to track it down instantly.
2: Was it a broken dream, an unfinished memory? What terrible secret drew Susan to the mausoleum?
0: (gasps) (laughs) I I, I didn't mean to scare you, Mrs. Farrell.
2: go right, to the other one, go the other one. Push that door open! Come on! She gave her soul to the evil force in the mausoleum. What's the matter, Susan? What? It's the correct name. Oh, my God! Now, the secret haunts her, and she cannot control the power. some strange shit going on in his house. What are you talking about? What's wrong with my wife? She's not your wife. The woman you're living with looks like Susan. She looks exactly like your wife, but she's not your wife. She lives in horror as she tries to escape the demon she has become. we're not going to be able to confine her. What do you suggest? Go to the mausoleum tonight. A new dimension in fright. An experience of untold terror. It's a table! I am going to finish what your father died trying to do! Are you brave enough to enter the mausoleum?
3: and welcome back ladies and gents so you just heard the trailer for Mausoleum this one, believe it or not, released 1983 although I think the production date was earlier than that The <laughs> uh, this is directed by Michael Duggan who really hasn't done much um, based on the original screenplay by Catherine Rosenwink uh, which was adapted by Robert Berich and Robert Madero the movie itself stars Marjorie Gottner, Bobby Breezy. Bobby Breezy sounds like like a guy that collects money for the mob. <laughs>
4: you know what I mean? Well, it's like in a, in a guy that sells Italian sports cars.
3: <laughs> yeah. Hey yo! This week at uh, Bobby Breezy's All You Could Eat buffet. <laughs> it could be an All You Could Eat Italian Bonanza. That's what I want. We got <laughs> pesto. We got any pesto. We got like pro pasta I don't know Um, it's it's all in there as much as much spaghetti as the I'm just being racist now let's move on Uh, (laughs) Norman Barton Maurice Sherbini Lawanda Page Laurie Hippy uh, Sherry Mann Julie Christie Murray Choo Choo Malavi great name uh, Ron Cannon and, yeah, there's other folks in here. Let's not... Joke. Ron Cannon
4: sounds like a poor name.
3: Yeah, Ron Cannon does sound like he's <laughs> about to ejaculate hard on Um Joel Kramer and some other folks. Synopsis for this one is listed on the IMDb as a 10-year-old girl mourning the death of her mother becomes possessed by a demon who has been preying on her female ancestors for centuries. Years later, the demon starts to take over both mentally and Physically,
4: um, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what this movie is.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's 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 get to the bits that that make me like laugh hard, right? Auntie Cora or Aunt Cora, um, her surname is Nomad, which is demon backwards, Um, (laughs) and that is literally as far as you need to go with this movie in terms of taking (laughs) anything it does seriously like this is like absolutely like this is the first time i've noticed that i was watching it through i was like what's a fucking nomad and i was like oh no 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 (laughs) um here's a question because this is an american movie but by god does it not feel like an american movie this feels like an italian movie and the interesting thing about it watching it through is how much do we think this movie influenced demon must
4: like baba uh, must have seen this movie oh yeah but baba's de- demon or yeah, demons, demons. And, and demons yeah. Uh, yes yeah yeah uh i hadn't really thought about that but yeah uh another one another one that like i think was hugely inspired by this movie later that also has demon in the title is uh <laughs> tales from the crypt demon Night. Yeah. uh the fucking glowing green eyes and like just the 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 makeup Process which, uh, I don't know way a lot about this movie mostly because the vinegar syndrome Blu ray of this. Uh, the old, the one and only special feature that's on there is an interview with uh, the late John, John Carl Beekler, who did the makeup effects for this. Yeah, uh, who people, the, the kids at home probably know he directed Friday the 13th, part seven, mm-hmm. and it was uh, huge, hugely inspirational in the low budget makeup effects uh, industry, basically. Um but yeah, that's that's one that's one thing I picked up on, on this reviewing. I've, I've seen this about three times. I bought this a couple of years ago as a blind buy. I think at the Vinegar Syndrome table uh, that nice. they usually set up at uh, Fantastic Fest, they just you know have a guy set up some tables, put some Blu-rays out, and sell them. I was like, this has got a cool cover, and I bought it. And I fucking loved this movie for a couple of years now. Uh, but yeah, Demon Knight was the, the, the big, the one that was like, man, this, remind, this reminds me of that a lot. I also didn't realize that uh, what's his name, the husband in this movie. I, I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. He, he looks, he, he looks like a late seventies version of Kramer, kind of. <laughs> and uh, I was like, and I finally, uh, yeah, I finally figured it out this morning when I was looking at the Wikipedia. He's the guy from Star Crash, which was a movie I wasn't familiar with until uh, Mystery Science Theater did it in that first Netflix season, and uh, they, they, the, the boys over in Short Bus Cinema covered that. Um, a year or two ago but yeah he's the he's the the luke skywalker type character from star crash and uh he's he's awful in yeah. this and and star yeah. crash there's a lot of people that are really bad in this movie but it's it's kind of endearing and yeah that, that that's where i think kind of the italian vibes that you are talking about come from it. it's like everybody feels very kind of stilted and yeah. the dialogues the dialogue sounds weird it's got like a weird loopiness to it where like it's it kind of sounds like everybody's dubbed in this which they may very well be but uh for for all its shortcomings i fucking love mausoleum uh oh this I, is I,
3: this I, is the this is the epitome <laughs> of the entertaining trashy movie yeah
4: you know, this this has everything in it it's it's got it's full of boobs mm-hmm. it's full of blood it's got crazy makeup effects it's got crazy psychedelic fucking lighting it's got weird lap dissolves with makeup effects and weird shit going on uh it's it's full of like crazy flashbacks and like Mm -hmm. our our, our central character is a woman that's like is not uh she she's not there all the time sometimes the demon takes over and she has like lapses in memory kind of stuff going on and uh yeah she's basically i mean this is kind of, this is a female empowerment movie because she basically like turns into a demon and fucking murders all the dudes that are shitty to her in her mm-hmm. life. And all the dudes that are just like leering at her like she's just a sex object. She then lures them in with her sexuality and then becomes a demon with a fucking demon faces on her titties and rips them apart in <laughs> And,
1: place.
4: and she's genius. she's te- too she can make people float in the air and do stuff with their mind it's this movie's got everything
3: i mean it's genius from that point of view because a uh, bobby brise who plays once again sounds like a mafia character but the you know she, she plays her main female character in here it uh, was a former playboy bunny so the idea of her like kind of being cast as like you said as a character who is ostensibly an empowered female empowered by satan obviously but um, an empowered female is kind of cool like this this is kind of widely regarded as like her push this was this was her trying to break into hollywood and get like her like her big push and really she that never really took off i mean i suppose the most notable thing out with mausoleum is i I mean and she she did have a, a, a relatively you know, interesting genre career, but she would go on into Gullies. Uh, Ghoulies. So she's in Ghoulies, which came out... Oh, know, okay. A couple of years after that, she's in Surf Nazis Must Die, which, I mean, is about as low budget as you get. Yeah, um, she got
4: paid five bucks for that one. <laughs>
3: um, and Evil Spawn as well, which, uh, which is a Fred Olinry um, movie, which isn't very good. Um, so she's, you know, she was in that, but she never really went on to like much it was kind of like a kind of not even really a screen queen per se because she's the villain ostensibly in this movie Um, she's like
4: angela from night of the demons
3: almost 100% which i was thinking at times when watching some of the teeth effects kind of similar to that so you know it it makes you wonder i
4: kind of think buchler worked on that movie too i I could be wrong on that but i'm fairly certain it's the same makeup effects guy which
3: which is cool because it's like he's like that ah you know you know what i'm doing the same as before um, and, uh, the, thing that, the thing about the thing that I enjoy about this movie is, it never really aspires to be anything more than, like we say, uh, a kind of trashy entertainment piece. And like the the eighties are arguably the best, like couple of years for when you could do this shit and go as crazy with the effects as you could like in the 70s that you know that the, maybe the special effects weren't quite there you could be batch it crazy but it was mostly you would use lighting effects and you know weird music things and like weird camera angles and stuff and that's how you portray like creepy like well creepy psychedelic weirdness when they swing along and you've got like this this bevy of great special effects people there you can do all weird and wonderful shit, and that kind of takes the prominence. And a lot of it doesn't stand up. And I love the fact that it doesn't. Like the when you're talking about like teeth, um, as I was calling them, um, I, I just couldn't stop laughing at that. Um, when you look at that, I mean, it's it's not it's, it's a cool thing to see on screen, but the effect hasn't aged necessarily all that well. Um, right. but still when I'm watching it I'm like, like I'm, tr- I'm racking my brain to think of any other movie that had done something like this that I'd seen on this level and I couldn't really think of anything and I was thinking to myself well that's the point isn't it like that's the beauty of this time period is like people are trying to do things you've never seen before and in a lot of respects you get that snapshot of them doing it and no one ever does it afterwards because one it's been done before or two, and never looked great to begin with. And I kind of, I, I kind of love those things a bit. Mausoleum has got terrible dialogue, um, and the story <laughs> itself is like incredibly derivative. It's stuff that you've kind of seen done before in other movies. Um, like Bobby Breezy, infamously as part of the trivia, um, took vocal coaching with the the, the Pazuzu voiceover um Woman for The Exorcist, the woman that did the the voice of Pazuzu and the Exorcist, she did vocal training so she could get her version of the cadence of the voice, which is such a weird thing to do. Like, yeah, she
4: went for it. That's yeah. that's fucking crazy.
3: You know, she actually physically sat down and like, like, who's to say what a demon sounds like? You just like, ah, do it like this. Ah, <laughs> fucking have a couple of shots of stiff whiskey, um, gargle the last one a big old cough a big old roar and then and then do some voicing and then you're fine but the (laughs) fact that she did that i love it there's a weird there's a weird dedication to the craft that you know that these these people are putting in for a movie that was never gonna be great was always gonna be kind of weird and i kind of that's the stuff that i enjoy i much rather people go in with the the intentions of trying to make something like super entertain, super entertaining, and the best version you can of it. And if it falls apart, and becomes a cult movie, then I fucking love that. Rather than someone knowingly trying to make a cheap movie just to get something out there, and then you know moaning about it not finding its cult audience. It's like you know what I mean. Cult movies are. It's when like it's one of my big pet peeves. Is like when you know like a. Like a like an Empire magazine or something go the next great cult movie. A cult movie takes ten years to find its audience minimum. 10 At least, years, yeah. And so you can't see when you see a movie innocent like, about well, ten years from now. This is going to be a cult classic. That's that shit. You know, because you're you're basically telling people that they need to appreciate this movie further on, or that people won't understand it or appreciate it during its time. Which I I don't like that that level. But Mausoleum to me is the sort of movie that I imagine... This is the this is the exact sort of thing you want to pick up on VHS with your buddies on a Saturday night and just get completely wasted and watch a movie like this. Infinitely entertaining. It's the sort of thing that, if you were a little bit too young to catch it, it, um, is the sort of thing you would recall maybe two or three scenes and you'd be on the internet as an adult saying, right, collective mind, hive mind, help me out here. Movie, woman has tits in her teeth um you know <laughs> our teeth and our tits like come on it. you know what i mean it's that it's that it's that sort of level and that's kind of what i love about it it's you mentioned the lighting the lighting is like bava on fucking ecstasy it's yeah. like it's like they're just like ever like where should we have these lights
2: everywhere
4: <laughs> i haven't seen so much like neon green lighting until like i i, I, make, I always make the goosebumps comparison yeah. later on because yeah it's it's like a uh i don't know like a fucking like like a, a community theater production of like i don't know like uh the wizard of oz or something or like uh what's the shakespeare one that's got like a bunch of witches in it? Is that macbeth yeah macbeth. is it it reminds me of that and yeah it's it looks fucking incredible and yeah. like the the uh the, the 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 print the vinegar syndrome put out of this it's got a little it's got some parts of it that are a little grainy i don't know if they like had to go back and you know collect this from different different versions of this movie that had different shots in it or whatever but man this thing looks fucking beautiful on blu-ray and a lot of that was just they they knew they they had a great lighting for on this thing and uh this uh, it's it's got some pretty like dynamic camera moves and stuff in it i'm thinking like when the dude is floating floating around in the mall or whatever that insane shot where they clearly either like took a cameraman and dangled him over the ledge of a second story like balcony to get the shots of the dude falling or they just tied him to like the the wiring harness the the very shaw brothers fucking style wiring shit and threw him off the fucking side of the balcony with a camera in his hand kind of deal um but yeah everybody really i mean it's 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 a weird movie because it's not played completely straight i don't think but for the most part it kind of like a lot of it is and everybody seems to be like really like you know everybody from the actors to the makeup crew to the lighting. Everybody seems to be really going for it, and I think part of that, especially like with our, our lead actress, is that like there is a little tiny bit of subtext below beneath the surface of mm-hmm. just like batshit gory fucking sex filled insanity, and that is that this is a, this is like kind of about being a, a bored housewife to a rich guy all you're ever expected to be is a sex object and a dishwasher and a cook basically it's like this is the scene where she gets all pissed that like he like when when they like drop the plates or whatever there's just like the scene is like that's what this movie is like really about like beneath the surface and like i think uh on paper like that probably is more the type of stuff that like especially our lead actors gravitated to and then all the goofy shit kind of just came came along and you know it was probably inspired by other stuff at the time but like yeah such a fucking i, I adore this movie uh the the poster art for this is fucking rad oh, as hell
3: yeah it's one of my favorite posters like of this era like it's, it's not it like just... a
4: fucking frisetta style like oil painting of the mausoleum and a big yeah. spooky face like it's so fucking high once again
3: italian as fuck like honestly yeah. like this like <laughs> it couldn't be any more like looking like an Italian movie and I not I, I, I just, I, I like that, I like like that like you could, I've, I've read articles, I was doing a bit of research over the weekend on it to see because like you see there's not a ton of trivia out there that's like like, like super interesting trivia but there's a lot of people going uh, you know the best thing about this movie is the poster and I was like no the poster gets your interest and then you watch the movie and you realise it's infinitely more bonkers than what you see on the poster
4: and yep, that's it's been, a rare time where it delivers exactly it's, usual,
3: it's usually the other way around it's the most badass like cover art you've ever seen you watch a movie and it doesn't resemble in any way shape or form anything that you've seen in the case of this one yes it doesn't really resemble it but the rewards are so much more um yeah i think this i mean this is the stuff that i I get kind of excited to... Like, I'd seen it before, but I get excited about it being on the list because I know there will be people that are going through this list with us that I've never seen mausoleum before. I know for a fact they're going to get a kick out of it because they've seen some shitty movies, they've seen some overtop movies already working through the list that we're working through, but if you get that kind of level of trash with the level of entertainment side by side and perfect that ratio is usually skewed one way or the other and it is i think perfect in this one there's enough nonsense here amongst good effects some cheap effects some bizarro fucking lighting some weird musical cues the music in this movie is fucking bonkers and it's all kind of merged together into what is the incredibly entertaining hour and a half this movie has no downtime at all no nope. It just gets in, just gets crazy, 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 and then finishes, and I kind of love it for that. So, yeah, this one is a, is a big old high recommend from me, but I know what you're thinking, Mark. Duncan, we don't do gradings on recommends, because if we did, then we we wouldn't be giving many recommends. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, we, we do our own version of grading over here, and it's based on um, kind of how we think the sentencing might go for movies so if it's a really particularly nasty piece of work ergo something like a I spit in your grave um, it's going to get some hard time if it's a movie that is kind of edging its way into to not quite the extreme level but still at the same time contains some stuff that's unsavory then we're going to give it a bit of community service if the movie itself is you know it's it maybe puts one or two steps wrong but for the most part it seems to be okay it's going to get a slap on the wrist mark and if it's a movie that you know holds no ill will and is lightly shoved on this list purely because of the aforementioned that had a you know a power tool in the title um uh, then it's a case dismissed i am curious uh, what you're going to give mausoleum what are you giving it
4: this is a slap on the wrist uh so this movie it's 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 full of fucking nudity uh <laughs> And it's it's fairly gory. Uh, there, there, there's there's some pretty gnarly fucking kills in this, um, uh, but I, the violence in this I feel like is earned, which is a huge difference between a lot, a lot of the shit that we watch for yeah. this show where violence is it's it's nasty and it's not earned and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. I don't really feel super uncomfortable. Like I mean, the part the parts of this that like kind of make you squirm are like when you know the the gardener is like leering at the, fucking, the the wife like through a huge chunk of it or like they're they're sure to like when the flower delivery guy like shows up for no reason and like it gets gets lured in by by her her siren cleavage shall we call it uh he he he, he gets he gets grabby with her and gets kind of fucking mean with her in this you know like he, he, even though he's been lured in it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird scene but like he, he gets lured in by her but then, like, they make sure to throw in the thing where, yeah, he's he's getting, like, overly aggressive and kind of fucking mean about it. So that when he finally gets his, when his fucking ear explodes and half of his face melts by her, from her telekinetic powers, we're, we're kind of on board with it. We're like, yeah, fuck those guys. They're all fucking trash and they treat her just like a sexist object. Fuck them. Uh, so, like, it, there's not really a lot in this movie that, like, makes me feel deeply uncomfortable. Mostly it's, like, all played for entertainment, but it's super entertaining. Um, but like I said, there, there's a fair amount of nudity in this. There's, there's there's pretty pretty gnarly gore that's probably not super appropriate for younger viewers. But uh, man, I would have fucking loved to have seen this when I was about <laughs> ten or so. Uh, I think it would have been super scary. It would have been you know in the days before pornography was like two fucking thumb clicks away. Mm-hmm. So like you know, you, you get, you get your boobs uh and uh yeah so there's some great monster effects and great gore and fucking all kinds of stuff that like the the censors don't want it to but it does appeal to like a, a younger male audience i think so oh, yeah. uh yeah this is a, this is a slap on the wrist this is far far from one of the nastiest things we've watched on the show but uh it's not quite a case dismiss for me i'm
3: 100 percent with you i think um and it, it has no malice has no real intention in it to, to to step over that line to get like some some community service but it definitely has some content in there that you know raises it up shall we say just a little so with that in mind it is a slap on the wrist from this guy We are going to take a very short break. You're going to listen to that Video Nasties documentary again. God knows who's talking about Happy Birthday to Me from 1981. But I'll tell you right now, after the trailer, myself and Mark are going to be discussing it. And let's, let's be honest here, we're going to discuss that ending. <laughs>
4: uh, yep. Yeah, Mate, big big time spoilers coming if you haven't seen this one.
3: Yeah, please go and watch it and then listen to us right after this.
1: Happy birthday to me! Possibly one of my favourite slash movies from the early 1980s. It's actually much maligned, but I think it's a great little movie. When in fact, when I say a little movie, it's probably the longest slasher movie that was ever made, and also one of the biggest budgeted at about three million. It's about killing teenagers, as most slasher movies are. But what you have is a snobby Crawford top ten at an exclusive school are being bumped off one by one in the six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see now it's arguable are they the most bizarre murders you ever see probably not but as you can see the iconic artwork on here which is shish kebab murder ironically on the poster it says john will never eat shish kebab again in fact there's not a character called john in there but what the film has is someone having a dumbbell dropped in their nut it has a kind of isadora duncan style murder with someone having their uh, scarf thrown in while they're working on the motorcycle. It stars Melissa Sue Anderson, who's better known as uh, one of the girls in Little House on Prairie. It was also directed by Jay Lee Thompson, who is probably best known for actually directing Cape Fear. Also went on to direct the sleestastic, Charles Bronson 10 to Midnight, with the naked killer chasing people around. Jay Lee Thompson surprised the producers, um, Andre Lincoln, John Dunning, um, this is a Canadian film, by the way, of course, um, uh, when he actually attacked the film with gusto. They were a little bit worried. They didn't think he would actually like doing a horror film. But in fact, um, the cast and crew actually said they couldn't stop him shouting, more blood, more blood. He's basically, he just loved doing the film. It also starred Glenn Ford, who was obviously a big star in the 1940s, 1950s. And apparently it wasn't a particularly happy shoot for him. And there's some great stories about him punching out assistant uh, producers and all sorts of things on the film. And of course, the film is topped off by something. You uh, love it or hate it twist ending. Um, it's probably the closest to a Scooby-Doo episode you're going to see in a slasher movie. Um, if you've not seen it, I won't spoil the ending. But essentially, um, what it is, it's if you can imagine pantyhose being ripped off somebody's face to show, like in um, Mission Impossible style way, somebody underneath. Completely unlikely um, ending. In fact, um, the producers, when they were making the film, there was they said there were three endings. They were shooting three endings, and that's because actually they didn't have an ending. And who was actually turns out to be the killer at the end of the movie got a phone call after they finished making the movie, saying, "Would you mind coming back? We need to shoot you as a killer." And she said, "I can't be. I don't. I'm not the killer." And it turned out she was. So, um, so happy birthday to me. It's one of the, um, the silliest, but also one of the most entertaining slasher movies you're going to ever see. It was released in 1981 at the apex of the slasher movie. Um, it was probably actually one of the most successful. I think it made something like $10 million at the American box office. And of course it was released in the UK at the cinema, uh, very successful in the UK as well, and on video, on RCA uh, Silver Label in the UK. There were were quite a lot of um, uh, sort of rumours, that, in fact it was released more uncut in UK than in the States. There were bits cut out of it, in fact, and when it was released in America, there were quite a lot of cuts made to it, little bits and pieces here, um, mostly to the brain surgery scene and I think there may be one or two seconds extra in the um, RCA uh, label release in the UK. Well I love the film so much because it's handsomely put together and it doesn't take itself too seriously and I think that's one of the beauties of horror movies from the early 1980s, the slasher movies. Personally they're my favourite, I really love the popcorn slasher movies of the early 80s. It's got a fantastic scene in the beginning of Leslie Donaldson which is a great screen queen, she was in Funeral Home as well, Now, she dies right at the beginning in a scene that looked like it's inspired by What Have They Done To Your Daughters, the the Italian movie, where she's stalked by the killer with a switchblade um, and cuts her throat. Now, a lot there, you can see lots of cuts in that. There's also a scene at the end where one of the actresses says that she was attacked and um, hacked up with an axe, and they film the scene right at the end of the movie, but it's never been seen anywhere, which means Happy Birthday to Me is begging for a decent uncut release. It's, it's a bit of a mystery why this film would be on section three. I mean, I kind of guess, I mean, what is the reason? It's probably this is the reason, is somebody being attacked with shish kebab, which I kind of guess if you went to a psych- psychotic barbecue, there's a chance that somebody might attack you with shish kebab, and obviously the uh, authorities were very worried about that. But as far as I'm aware, Happy Birthday to Me played the cinemas very successfully, it was out on video, and as far as I'm aware, there were no Shishkabab murders in the UK or anywhere else for that matter.
2: Someone's having a party for the top ten. The senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, pray you're not invited.
3: Welcome back ladies and gents You've just heard the trailer for Happy Birthday to Me from 1981 Directed by J. Lee Thompson Uh, This is based on the screenplay By Timothy Bond, Peter Jobin And John C.W. Saxton Um, This is a Well, it's a Canadian (laughs) Slasher movie So um, One of many from this time period Canada was just churning these motherfuckers
4: Out at pace this and my bloody valentine and curtains and
3: visiting hours um, yeah visiting hours which is also i think visiting hours is 82 but you know, it's all that time period where they're just like once again everyone <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all we do now we're in the business of making fucking movies um this one stars melissa Sue anderson glenn ford Lawrence Dane, shan acker francis highland tracy e bregman uh, jack blum Matt craven leonard Lenore, Zan, David Eisner and there are some other folks in here as well Synopsis is listed on the IMDb's as, At a snobby Crawford Academy Virginia's group of friends start to go missing years after horrible events that happened to her as a child around her birthday Um <laughs> Poster for this is fucking bitching It's uh, <laughs> like it's a uh, John will never eat shish kebab again, Steven <laughs> will never ride his motorcycle again, Greg will never lift his weights again, who's killing Crawford High's snobbish top 10? At the rate they're going will there be anyone left for Virginia's birthday party alive? Happy birthday to me, six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see. <laughs> um, I'm thinking to myself, like they need to hire an editor for the one line tag? <laughs>
4: yeah it's it spoils three of the fucking kills right on the poster
3: yeah yeah plus like john doesn't die with a shish kebab either so um shish kebab death does happen doesn't happen to john um so <laughs> um you need to fix that shit that's what that's what i'm saying like someone needs to fix that shit can't have that <laughs> um but yeah um i've got a story tested with, with this one let me take like kind of kind of point on this one um i i remember seeing this one this is one i was familiar familiar with um during the 90s i i caught to this one this one was very much a rental um i recently when i say recently like the last three four years uh, indicator in the uk put this one out it was one of the first titles they actually put out on their label along with um Ghosts of Mars <laughs> and Vampires by John Carpenter. That is a double bill and a half. Um, and uh, so yeah, very very excited about that. But they put this out and part of me was like that, I'm kind of looking forward to coming back to this because by then I'd already started doing the quote unquote slasher classic series and realising there was a lot of shite out there. And I was like I, what I could always remember is Happy Birthday to Me was really well made. Um, and then coming back to watch it again, what we're watching it then and more so this time. I'm doubling down on that. Happy Birthday to Me is a surprisingly well made movie. I mean, cinematography's great, special effects, fucking bitching, death's memorable. You know, all that stuff that you want in a good slasher movie. The negatives on this one this movie is too long. Like, this one is oh, a yeah. one hour and 50 minute slasher movie, which is fine. way it's, too long. It's fine if you're going to see, I don't know, Scream. You know, like (laughs) where there's shitloads happening, but this is essentially it. It it feels like a lot of set pieces for padding. Like there's like fucking like race sequence in the middle of this for no no, real reason other than padding time. Um, And I think even the first time I saw this, I kind of guessed where who the killer was and all the rest. And you were just kind of waiting for the real. Granted, the reveal in this movie is absolutely fucking bonkers. But I also think that once you know that reveal, it doesn't lend itself to revisiting for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like other slasher movies where you're like, oh, but it's only an hour and a half though, and I know that Steve's the killer so I can watch Steve murder everyone again. Like, in the case of this one, you have an hour and 50 minutes to wade through to get this ending. And that's the frustrating thing about it, because, like, if you look at slashers in and around this time, a lot of them are cheap as fuck. It's like, cheap really bad acting, terrible scripts, horrible stereotypes, a cool looking mask, some bizarre kills, and you know, those are heralded as classic slashers. And I look at this one and it looks like, I mean, this had budget. I mean, there was millions spent on this movie. Um, Is budget Canadian right enough? 3.5 million Canadian dollars on this one. Um, And it made its money back comfortably. It's opening week, it made its money back. So, you know, there was an audience out there that were clamouring for slasher movies and this one gave you one that felt like like a proper studio, proper production, proper work was behind it. But, like I said before, it it kind of falls by the wayside by how much, unlike Mausoleum, which has zero downtime, Happy Birthday to me has a lot of downtime. There's a lot of space between the kills and when those kills do, it does ramp up towards the end. But, you know, it kind of feels like at times I'm already starting to pick up my phone. I'm already starting to look at my watch. Oh, there's a cool kill, right? My attention's back. And then three minutes later, I'm going kind to of start looking at my phone again. I'm starting to look at my yeah. watch. And that's its biggest issue. I think it just has too much... Like, if you chop 20 minutes out of this movie, like, streamline it down. Try and make it less the mystery that it's desperately trying to be. Um, I think this is a much more entertaining movie. Now what it has for it though, I think above all else, is one of the most memorable endings to a slasher movie ever that I enjoy. So let me preface that by saying there are a lot of slasher movies from this time period that have bonkers fucking endings, right? That was the thing. You give us a bonkers ending, that's what people are talking. Doesn't matter if your movie was shit before, they'll be talking about the ending when they leave the cinema, and that's what they're aiming to do. And Happy Birthday to me has maybe one of the most, like, just, huh? <laughs> sort of like, <laughs> kind of moments in cinema, which is like your heroine, and this is a spoiler, uh, that you've been following throughout the movie. That to be honest, the movie's been letting you know has severe psychological issues, um, so it shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, not only has she murdered all her classmates, but she has staged them at her own birthday party as her dad walks in and um, just sees like uh, it's like they kind of took the creep show thing, you know, like and I have my cake, um, yeah. but like but there's a whole table of cake. Um, it's just like everyone's a okay. cake. It's um. And it's, the, the way she plays it, uh, the, you know, the, the main actress here, uh, Melissa Sue Anderson, the way she plays it is fucking great. And I I love the ending. I think the ending is like, that reveal is totally bonkers. It's just, it feels so out of place to the rest of the movie. You know what I mean? It's very, yeah. very, very, yeah. very <laughs> schlocky and it's very, very over the top for a movie that has had over the top kills, but is trying to tone, well, or toe a really, this is a, you know, this is a well-made slasher movie. This isn't your humdrum trash, and then the ending comes, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making me think this wasn't a trashy movie at the end." <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm kind of torn on this one. I think it's I think it's far too long, but I think the deaths. This is you fall into the slasher trappings of apologizing for slasher shortcomings by saying the deaths are fucking great, the endings fucking bonkers. Um, so that's the stuff you're going to be talking about all the other stuff eh, that's that's kind of where i fall on it what what about you had you seen this had you seen this one before
4: i had seen this a really long time ago speaking back back again to bad movie nights I, i watched this in a friend's basement many like i was probably 18 or so back when we were burning through lots of you know yeah cheap dvds with cheap horror movies and kung fu flicks and action movies and stuff we, we used to do a lot of that before, you know, way before the days of streaming and before boutique labels were putting out 4K scans of just awful trash. Uh, we we watched this one, and literally all I could remember about this was the ending. I, I yeah. remembered the ending, and I was like, this has like one of the weirdest fucking twist endings to any of these like old slasher movies that I had ever seen and I had completely forgotten about any of the rest of it except <laughs> for like one one or two kills I remember the motorcycle kill yeah, being rad. like it's I, it's rad but I remember it going on for a lot longer than it actually does in the movie in the movie it's actually like pretty quick but it is like memorable and makes you not want to wear a scarf ever because <laughs> that's, that's that's a good way to get it stuck in machinery and uh, have something terrible happen. But yeah, a lot of the rest of this I completely forgotten. And I do completely agree that <laughs> this movie's probably twenty minutes to half an hour too long. Uh, what made this even more torturous is that I watched this on Crackle. Oh, which Jesus fucking Christ, Crackle! Take it easy on the ads because this took like two and a half hours. To get through with the fucking ads, and yeah, really didn't help my attention span. That like every time a three-minute commercial break comes on, I start staring at my phone. Yeah, there's always come so many. Back to the there's
3: only so many times you can be like, like um inspired to buy like Viagra and Bluetooth pills. Um, it was all
4: pizza ads on this one it was like right. Papa John's and Little Caesar and the Little Caesar's ads were in Spanish I'm ca-
3: I'm I am strange I'm kind of hoping these aren't targeted ads and you're getting pizza targeted to you and for some reason since I turned 40 it's nothing but a retail <laughs> dysfunction ads for me
4: <laughs> eh, give it a few years and be like hey your dick doesn't work, you're, you're 40 here you go uh, but no yeah uh, m- movie, movie too long m- me brain not work that good uh <laughs> Uh, what else about this movie I don't know I don't really this this is really well made this is another one that like looks really sharp and it it has like that same kind of dream like uh, like everything's kind of hazy looking like I think they use the same film stock as like uh, like the original Black Christmas, or like um, the Prowler kind of looks like this too. Yeah, or it looks it looks really sharp. But every like you know, it, it looks like a you know real movie, but everything's like a little soft around the edges for whatever reason. I think that kind of adds to uh, like the disorientation, like especially what our, our main character. We, we start getting a little bit more bits and pieces about our main character and how she's also probably not all there and is like you know. It jumps around in time kind of we, we get some flashbacks to when, when she was younger and like the car crash and then uh, then eventually like yeah we get a really long scene that explains one year prior to the <laughs> movie uh, the, when the movie takes place the they the this, this girl's mom tried to have a birthday party for her and none of her friends showed up and her deadbeat dad doesn't show up mm. and her mom is like this like crazy drunk rich lady so she drives over to the kid's house where they're where they're all having a party and screaming at the gates about, uh, "You will not disrespect my daughter! I've got all this money! You're f- fuck all you!" And uh, yeah, that comes super late in the game, and like the, all the rest of this movie is basically like the red herring game. Like you yeah. set every fucking character up to potentially be some sort of red herring might be the creepy kid that keeps the mouse in his pocket he's not really creepy but he's, he's like the super nerd of the group mm-hmm. it might be the 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 slightly maybe super unhinged boyfriend like it might be the fucking psychologist that's cleaning up after you know crazy girls fucking, like split personality type of deal there's like a hundred red herrings in this movie and I think it's, it's another thing that the movie spends way too much time on is trying to set up other characters as potential red herrings like if you cut one or two of those out like it probably equal about 10 or 20 minutes of this fucking movie so uh yeah this 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 thing's in desperate was in desperate need of an editor yeah uh as far as all the that shit goes because it's fucking boring like I, I'm just gonna say a lot of it's fucking boring <laughs> and <laughs> but but this movie, you know, it it's it safe space by the yeah, the kills are pretty fucking gnarly. Uh this is this is really bloody compared to a lot of stuff that they like, oh, didn't come yeah. out yeah. already <laughs> up until this point. Or even just a few years later, like this this gets away with a lot of shit that I don't think would fly in uh horror movies it's, once it's, the MPAA started cracking more, down.
3: It's more vicious than Friday the thirteenth.
4: Yeah, they, it's the definitely same more bloody
3: fucking year. Like same yeah. year, so it's saying a lot, man, you know what I mean? Like it feels like as soon as as soon as uh Friday the thirteenth came out, it was like the gloves are off. You know what I mean, in terms of what we can do and how we can do it. And the just sheer volume of stuff that comes out. And I think there's that there's a part of that where there's a, a particular nastiness in the the kind of exploitation stuff that starts coming out. For the kind of slasher stuff, and this falls into that for sure, where they were just like, yeah, let's just do it. Like what what are they doing across in America? Let's just like just make it a little bit gnarlier. Um, and that's what you get here. I'm I'm with you. I think the biggest crime that Happy Birthday to Me pulls is just how boring at parts it is when you know for a fact you trim those bits out. You have like like a, like a high tier slasher movie. You know, what yeah. I mean, like just in terms of what it delivers, it's just like there's too much time in between what it needs to do, and um, yeah, too many red herrings. Like far too many. This has more red herrings than PCs, and PCs has the audacity in the middle to have a shot where it shows every character lightning strike behind them, as if any one of us could be the killer. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It's, it's so like it's, it's so many, so many. Um, but if you take like two seconds, like genuinely, just take two seconds. It's kind of... You know, you can piece it together pretty quick. Um, but the movie's hoping that you don't. Right, and let's talk grades for this one then. This could be interesting. This one is pretty vicious. But, I'm going to be honest, I don't... I'm, I'm kind of in the mausoleum camp with this one. It's vicious with its kills, but I don't think... It does anything that like takes it to the next level if you know what i mean there's like there's no like because there's some of the movies we've talked about where there's a bit of rape in there and whatnot it doesn't it doesn't go that direction and it kind of sticks true to it this is a slasher movie and the kids are coming out to see gory kills uh, and things i've never seen done before on camera by a special effects person so with that in mind this one also for me is getting a slap on the wrist so what about yourself
4: yeah, it's weird. I was just thinking like, I don't know. Canada doesn't have like its own rating system as far as I know. I, mm. I think they, when they have like, I think they basically, I think the MPAA pretty much covers all of North America, including Canada. Cause I would imagine, I'm pretty sure this got an R rating in the States. Like no problem where like, as we said, a few Friday the 13th movies later, this shit wouldn't fly in a theatrical yeah. movie in, oh, God, in yeah. the States and definitely not not in the UK obviously the censors had multiple problems with this one but uh i think i'm going with like a case dismissed on this one because like you said there's no uh th- th- there's nothing like there's no nudity in this as far as i can remember there's no no like real like sexual violence there's violence like directed towards women uh definitely the one in the opening in the in the opening of this movie where the killer is hiding in the back seat i mean yeah. that's like a legitimate like real world thing that like women are afraid of kind mm-hmm. of deal so like some of it, some of it's like fairly unsettling but like that's really about it and like that really only comes down to like i don't know four or five maybe six scenes in this movie where there's a fair amount of gore and granted the, the 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 end of this movie is pretty unsettling uh, uh another another one that i think was inspired by this maybe is a little bit it's the loved ones yeah uh with with all the corpses and the unhinged girl you know all around the all around the i think it's a birthday of the loved ones too if i remember correctly is that what she's doing she's having like a fucked up birthday party basically no it's prom
3: isn't it it's prom oh it's yeah no yeah
4: that's right it's it's prom or homecoming or something uh the big dance but kind of the same thing yeah unhinged uh late teen early 20s kind of girls fucking cutting people up basically but yeah um, up until the ending like we we don't really know that and like a lot of the kills are done by a, a black glove killer there's the jello mm. influence uh, they he even use a straight razor oh, on yeah. the, the chick at the at the beginning so yeah there's definitely some some bay of blood bava you know our early argento shit kind of influence in this one but other than that, is really not like a whole lot. I mean, the kids like drink and smoke pot in this, but yeah. like there's there's not a lot of like harsh language that I remember. That uh, re- really, this one, this one's like a guilty by association kind of. I think as far as the BBFC is concerned, it's it's too much like Friday the Thirteenth, and there's a dude being killed on the cover, and it's they're like it appeals the children kind of. So, uh, like I kind of. I don't get where they were coming from because I still think it's ludicrous. Because you know well, you sit down I, and watch the fucking movie. Well, yeah. But
3: I think the thing is as well, Mark. Um, after like the a bit of the trivia that I read earlier on, it was passed uncut nineteen eighty six in the UK. Okay, so it was on okay. the list, and then it was like, nah, we need to release this." <laughs> like so, yeah. Like w- within within a couple of years, it was out again, uncut or on VHS to rent. So i think that speaks to it you know what i mean it's like it is nasty and all there is but it's not na- it's not nasty to the point of banning it so i can't. mausoleum it
4: is mausoleum is way more gory than this one like, yes you know <laughs> pint for pint of uh, yeah. fake blood uh, is it's way way nastier than this one and yeah even mausoleum i'm like it's eh, this is not this this didn't deeply offend me like something we watched. Mm-hmm happy birthday is even lower on this on the scale for that so yeah i mean i'm gonna case dismiss this guy
3: nice right well let's uh let's take our final break of this episode when we come back we'll be letting you know where we're going next i have seen neither one of the movies we're doing next month and i'm gonna be honest one of them one of them looks incredible (laughs) so incredible as in awful uh right we're gonna be right back to close up our show right after this This
4: is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to The Psychosomatic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com. The Psychosomatic Podcast.
3: And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been season number two, episode number 25. We've done Happy Birthday to Me and Mausoleum Mark in two weeks' time. We're sticking in in 1981, which will make you happy, obviously. Um, okay. And we're doing a movie called Naked Fist. Right?
4: Sounds like a kung fu movie.
3: Uh, well, Sounds yeah. like
4: it should be in that Shaw Brothers box set.
3: Um uh, uh, Interestingly enough, it is a kung fu movie Uh, so naked fist aka and its original title firecracker right Um, (laughs) so get ready for this Uh, directed by shiro h santiago that's his name he had done (laughs) this guy done a fucking million (laughs) movies holy fucking shit he has over a hundred directing credits
4: Oh damn! One of the, one of these guys.
3: First movie was 1955, right? Oh, holy and, shit! And then, on average, was doing about three movies a year, right? Like on average, about three movies a year. This okay, is either
4: good or bad. I'm not sure which. It's <laughs> one or the other.
3: <laughs> all look like action movies. They all. Okay, every I... single one of them looks like an action movie. Yeah. Uh, to so give you some details about this one, the synopsis for firecracker aka naked fist is femme fatale martial arts expert teaches the mafia a lesson
4: all right i'm fucking sold (laughs) this sounds amazing
3: so that's literally i'm trying to see if i have um... (laughs) the top review on um, imdb says Kung Fu Kitten Kills San Close. This movie is probably singularly responsible for my interest in B-grade martial art movies. I saw it when I was very young before cable on late night Kung Fu Theatre. I wish there was a Kung Fu Theatre here. The local (coughs) stations had obviously, has obviously made a mistake and aired the movie uncut. Violence, nudity and all. So I'm not reading the rest because it goes into a bit spoiler detail. So that's, yeah, she looks like she does a lot of martial arts in her bra and panties, and I am <laughs> 100% down to clown on that one. Um, Give it to me. Yeah, but joining with the, the Mafia double bell theme, the second movie we're doing, uh, and by the way, Naked Fist is a gloriously short one hour and 17 minutes long.
4: Hallelujah.
3: Which I thought that feels short until I saw the one hour, 13 minute runtime of our other movie. Uh, one hour, 13 minutes, GBH.
4: Oh, Grievous Bodily Harm.
3: Yes, I have never seen this. It's directed by David Kent Watson. Now, Kent Watson is a hyphenated surname, so you know he's posh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Has to be... Oh, it did a movie in 1992, which is not even a word. The Assassinator
4: oh man yeah they made that one up but uh you know what that's it's 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 bringing me in i'm i'm fucking I'm already on board with either one of those titles
3: yeah gbh and uh, the synopsis for this one a bouncer is called to help fight off a mob boss who's trying to take over local nightclubs so it's a double bill of taking on the mob
4: i'm fucking stoked i mean like two two of our favorite movies that we've done for the list so far had either mafia dudes kung fu or both so it sounds like we're getting more of that and i am fucking stoked
3: i can't wait i can't wait both of them have gloriously low ratings on imdb which makes me like even happier to watch them so that's where we're going in a month's time before then though mark let the people know where they can check out your stuff
4: uh find me on twitter i'm posting angry things over there all the time if you like to hear me just fume about you know stupid shit and, and, and i talk about movies and stuff all the stuff i'm talking about i talk about over or all the stuff i'm watching i talk about over there uh that's at the fancy mark uh find me on letterboxd i'm still pretty good about uh logging all the shit that i with all the stuff that I watch and writing fairly short, little brief reviews of them. Uh, uh, a little shout out for to our buddy Tony. Uh, Yay, you should back. go over. Bye, bye, bye. Is he back? Is, is this channel is back up on well, YouTube? Well, no, no, no.
3: He, he fought YouTube and YouTube won. Surprise, surprise! A multi-billion-dollar uh, okay. corporation crushed the little man. But he has migrated to a different platform, so he has been posting about it. So if you follow him on the on the Facebooks and all the rest, he's migrated all his shows and managed to finally put out his final episode. So I think he was quite happy about that.
4: Yeah, that that fucking bummed me out especially because yeah not even a couple months ago i i I appeared on an episode of one of those and i'm like well i guess it's just gone because youtube had a problem with it and i know damn well in that episode there was nothing really like 90 percent of it was me and Tony talking on fucking webcam about the movie censor yeah it's just like man did you guys really have to nuke the whole fucking channel over this i don't i don't understand but yeah i believe the platform that he's he's uploading back episodes to now is called odyssey which is one that i'm not not super familiar with but uh yeah go give him a follow give him some watches on there he's basically had to start over from scratch with that whole thing and like yeah he's been working on that show for like three years now and fucking youtube just just nuked it out of nowhere which is kind of a travesty and uh it plays right along in with like the uh the the whole censorship censorship discussion it makes me long for the days when youtube was just the fucking wild west when you could find anything on there including bootlegs of movies and like there, there's not all this it's, it's when the money comes in and the advertising and bullshit and the, like they're the ones that have the problem with the content that like their products are being associated with when you watch stuff on youtube and it's got ads in it so uh yeah super huge bummer there but yeah please please go follow him on odyssey and give him some love over there and uh let him know you appreciate all the hard work he's putting in into that channel because yeah I, I once we get done recording episodes on this show i always go back and watch the, the episodes that he did on those and see kind of how our opinions lined up on those but uh yeah i'll i'll, I'll leave it that probably uh it's, it's good to be back on the show the new year i'm excited for next month's episode and uh yeah de- definitely check out the other shows on well, the Teapots Collective, you guys are about. Have you wrapped up opera, opera Omnia on David it's Fincher uh, yet?
3: It's this month, yes. Yeah, so we'll be doing our final final episode covering Mank, um, and then that's that put to bed for uh, about two months, and then a return with a much shorter season, much shorter season with a, a director that has, uh, I think, it was about five movies. So we're working on that this year. Um, Chronicle is officially kicking off. That should be coming out. episode very early in february this is the first season i've done where guests can come on so if anyone's listening out there who is a podcaster or has gear for podcasting and wants to desperately discuss a essentially european horror movie of their choice uh, they get in touch and we'll get that set up so that's going ahead um and then where to begin with is about to kick off season three and we're doing film the war for that so i'm um, 10 choice picks from myself of kind of old school film noir and neo-noir to get you started with expanding your knowledge of where some of the best whodunit crime cinema has ever come from so yeah that's uh that's the stuff on the the collective busy times
4: busy. sweet yeah no film noir is yeah, much like kung fu movies is kind of a blind spot for me So i might have to might have to get that i'll give that a listen and uh yeah get 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 some new stuff to watch
3: yes sir yes sir ladies and gents you've been always a pleasure now I say you've been a pleasure i don't know you may have been swearing customers out through the entire episode <laughs> but guess what we can't hear you which means in my mind you've all been a pleasure listening and behaving properly naked That's what you've been doing. (laughs) Filthy fucking perverts. Uh, We are going to sign off for one more time this month. We'll be back next month with another two movies. But until then, say bye, Mark. Goodbye. And from myself, this is Doing the Nasty. Duncan McLeish saying bye, everyone.
2: Nasty. Nasty.
0: Yeah. They were called nasties and they
1: were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well.
2: An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting
1: those who watched it.
0: I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.